Hey, everyone, and thank you for joining us. This is the 2021 season preview of Toronto FC. By now, you guys should all know what we're doing. This is team number 23 out of 27 as we go to the beginning of the Major League Soccer season. We are talking about Toronto FC, and our special guest is Mike from Sons of a Pitch. Mike, why don't you let us know a little bit about yourself and what you're working on? How you doing, everybody? My name is Mike, Sons of a Pitch Soccer Podcast, a MLS-centric podcast, everything CONCACAF. However, I am a diehard TFC guy. Uh, been a diehard TFC fan since 2006 when they got announced. And uh, so, yeah, that's why I'm here. But you guys can find us at SOP Soccer on Twitter. We're big on YouTube, Sons of a Pitch, and American Soccer Podcast. And uh, make sure you guys head over to the channel, subscribe, and uh, look out for all of our MLS content. And likewise, if you're this is your first time at IED Sports, you can find us YouTube.com backslash IED Sports, IEDsports.com. You can find us on all of the uh platforms you can see below um just type in id sports we're, we're on all of them so make sure you you guys subscribe to both id sports and sons of a pitch a lot of times people ask me about major league soccer podcasts and i say well the the two big ones are owned by major league soccer if you want to hear an independent podcast sons of a pitch id sports we're the two guys and he's doing his own season preview thing too so let's get into it toronto fc 2021 Talk a little about club culture, history of the club, anything that you would want a Major League Soccer fan who is not Toronto-centric to know about your team. Yeah, so everybody thinks, you know, Toronto over the past few years has been really good. Uh, They've been a contender every single season. Um, When you talk about that club culture, though, there was a long time of pain for Toronto FC and their fans uh, from 2007 until 2015. This team had not made the playoffs the longest run in MLS history. Uh, so it's been, it was a rough pit patch there in the beginning, lots of changing of coaches, lots of changing of players. But now uh, the team has finally found success and it really changed with, uh, with Tim Lewicki came into MLSE, the ownership group for all Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Raptors, TFC, uh, and really changed the culture in the club. Stuck with Greg Vanny, who was the head coach since 2015 until this season when he moved on. Uh, but now it's a, a different if it, it's a different culture. Now it's a winning culture. Every year TFC is a contender minus 2018 after they won MLS Cup in 2017. Kind of had that CCL hangover with that run yep, to the Conference yep. Champions. That'll do it. That'll do it. So we are going to talk about the coaching change later cuz your longtime coach, well, uh, you're I like to say long time, but he's I guess he's just your most successful coach in history. Greg Vanny's yeah. headed over to LA Galaxy. Chris Armas from Red Bull is going to Toronto, and we're going to talk about all that in just a couple minutes. But first, I think we need to recap the 2020 season because Toronto went 13-5-5, 33 goals scored, 26 goals against. They were 7-2-1 at home, one of the best home records in the league, (laughs) although you guys weren't allowed back into Canada for a little while, so you guys were playing home games all over Red Bull Arena and all over the East Coast, but... You guys figured it out. Alejandro Pozuelo, nine goals, 10 assists. You had Iowa Canola with nine goals. Richie Larea, four goals, four assists. Pablo Piatti, four goals, four assists. And Jonathan Osorio with a goal and three assists. Mike, if I asked you just to sum up the 2020 season in a couple words or a couple feelings, a couple thoughts, what would it be? Uh, you know what? It was a good season. 
given the circumstances, given that 2020, honestly, in my opinion, is a throwout year, uh, it was a good year. Uh, that's pretty much all I could say. I mean, for, for what they were able to do, given the fact that they were stuck in Hartford, Connecticut, and not allowed to go back to see their families for months at a time, uh, a decent a decent season, unfortunately, came up a little bit short. Absolutely. Hey, NYCFC has played games there, too, so who, who's anyone to complain? Um, <laughs> actually, really like Hartford. I've been up there for uh, a couple games in the past. They, they, they do some nice stuff. It's a beautiful area, but that was your home, and 7-2-1 at a place that you're not used to. I mean, that that's something you got to take every day, and, and that comes down to a lot of things. And for me, it's it's included in coaching because Greg Vanny has been one of the best in MLS since he stepped foot in Toronto. Now you guys have Chris Armis. Um, I have my own thoughts, but I want to get yours first. Let's jump into coaching and tactics here for Toronto FC. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm actually going to learn things from you guys on, on Chris Armis. I don't know a ton about Chris Armis, uh, other than what I've seen so far, it seems like a really good motivator, and it's something that uh, that team was lacking last season. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm excited to see what he's got there. But as far as tactics, it's it's hard to see if he's going to be able to really implement his team uh, and his tactical vision into Toronto FC this year because there's been no changes. The team is very very uh, static compared to last season, with only one player in, and that being Jordan Peruza, homegrown signing uh, from. Uh, TFC too. So Chris Armas hasn't had any signings. He hasn't brought in any of his own players. He's still working with that Greg Vanny TFC team. Uh, so I think you'll see kind of a mix. I think it'll be this season from what I'm seeing, it looks like it's going to be more of a transition year into Chris Armas's tactics from Greg Vanny's tactics. He's probably going to be in that four, three, three shifting through to that four, five, one type of setup. Uh, but that's it's it's really hard to tell right now because he hasn't he hasn't brought any any of his own players in. Yeah, and so what I would say about Chris Armis is that uh, I, I think he has a chance to be a really good coach in Major League Soccer. He was brought in after a firing, and and that's always tough when I, maybe he wasn't even ready, not certainly not expecting the call. And with, with Red Bull, they're kind of all in every team. This this goes from you know the Red Bull academies all the way up to Leipzig. It's like press high energy, press high energy, press high energy. And even some of the players, you hear them complaining about like, all we ever did was run, <laughs> you know? Um, and that is kind of, I guess, what Chris Armis has walked into. Now, his thing is with Red Bull, he had no talent. He had no talent. He had a team that just had major league soccer level quality players and just across the board. He comes into something new now because he's never had Josie Altador before. He's never had Alejandro Pozuelo, maybe one of the best players in all of Major League Soccer before. So I think that little individual moment of brilliance that maybe he was relying on in that high press system where you get that turnover and you need to turn the ball around quick. I think it's going to work a little better for Toronto. But you guys, and we could talk about this, and this is actually a great segment to move right over into the roster. You need young players. You need energetic players to play in that system. And while Toronto certainly has the talent, they have some older players too. They have some older players too. So I made a depth chart. Why don't we pull that up and we could talk about the different positions? Yeah, sounds good. So let's jump right into the striker position. You got Josie Altador. You got Iona Akinola battling an injury. He was called up to camp for Canada. Little U.S.-Canadian rivalry uh, system going on there. And uh, did not play because he picked up a knock. I don't know how serious that is. Maybe you can let us know and, and tell us how this depth chart 
for the striker position uh, pans out. Yeah, so it's it's not too serious, uh, but the striker position with Josie Altidore and Ayo Akinola, uh, it's decent. But with Josie's health history uh, and the fact that he consistently for the past three to four seasons has only played approximately one third of the season and has not scored a lot of goals. Last season was only one. Uh, and then, hey, surprise, surprise. He called off, uh, asked for a substitute in the 65th minute against Lyon in the first leg, holding his hamstrings. So here we go again with Josie. Uh, Ayo Akinola, it seems like it's just a light injury. He should be fine. Uh, Striker-wise, that's where their signing has to come. They still have a DP spot open since Pablo Piatti moved on. Uh, that spot, that DP spot has to go to the striker. All right, and then when you take a step down and look at the number 10, Alejandro Pozuelo, and I have Osorio behind him on the depth chart, who is... For me, starting out left, but you know, definitely able to take out on that number 10 position. Pozuelo is one of the best players in Major League Soccer, and it just seems like you guys, uh, you just picked up another one. When Giovinco left, they said, oh, no one could ever fill his shoes. Alejandro Pozuelo steps in and probably plays better um, at that level. I remember watching him his first time, and it I couldn't tell if he was left-footed or right-footed because everything was just a gem that came off either side. Talk a little bit about that number 10 position and what that means to the Toronto FC. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a huge position for Toronto FC, and it is in great hands in Alejandro Pozuelo. Agreed 100%. He is one of the top top five players in MLS. I would put him right there. If, if uh, we had to rank players right now that are active in MLS, I would probably put him right there with Carlos Vela as a tie for number one. I think he is that important to the team. He's that, that good of a player. He is. He's two-footed. I mean, you can't tell if he's, you know, if he's going to shoot with the left, the right. Uh, his movement is unbelievable. His passing vision is is just insane. Uh, and then on top of it, the man can score goals. Usually, you get some of these guys in a number ten position, and there you see a huge disparity in the assists compared to the goals. Not with Pozuelo. He's going to put up about the same number of both and a lot of both. Uh, so a great, great player in that number ten position, and, and lucky to have him on our team. And when we look at this depth chart, like the number 10 position is just a suggestion. He can play anywhere he wants. He wants to go up left. He's going to go up left. He wants to go up right. He'll go up right. It doesn't matter. And there's a lot of interplay that I've seen between him and, and the striker position on who's going to go up highest. And, and that's okay when you have someone of that caliber, for sure. On the wings, yeah. there's a little more of a question. Jonathan Osorio out left. I have an uh, Subaso Endo on the right with Nick DeLeon behind him on the depth chart. How do you see that? Is is that correct? Are there any changes, any players we're missing here on the wing? Yeah, so it, it looks good. Um, there's another player that is going to be fighting for time, Erickson Gallardo. Uh, he'll be playing, for, uh, fighting for time with uh, Endo and DeLeon there on the right-hand side. I can see Gallardo getting that starting position. He's a uh, TAM-level player. He did pick up a knock against Lyon uh, last week, so that's a question. But uh, as far as the full season, I could see him getting time there on the wing. Uh with Endo and De Leon, it's going to be a fluid, uh, fluid change. A lot, lots of there's going to be a lot of movement, uh, as well as some youngsters that could come in and uh, and play like Jaden Nelson or Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy that uh, the fans are very, very excited about. All right, and when we move into midfield now, this is going to be the most important part for me because when we talk about Chris Armis running high press, a lot of energy, I got Mark Delgado and Michael Bradley as kind of the six and the eight. Who are we missing on the depth chart, and where do these players fit into the midfield? Yeah, so uh, Bradley, there's a lot of talk that Bradley's going to get moved up to play a little bit more forward rather than sitting in that sixth position that he's been so accustomed to. Uh, 
whether or not that pans out, I don't see that panning out. I think Bradley's pretty much at the point now in his career where he can't go forward uh, due to his age. But uh, Marky Delgado as well in the uh, in the back half of the midfield is definitely a uh, I could see that I could see that happening there with Marky and and Bradley uh, in the back as well. You've got Liam Frazier that could push for minutes there towards the back, uh, a depth piece that uh, is a little bit younger. And uh, there's 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 lots of kids coming up through the system as well. Ralph Prizo, who's really been uh, very very uh, very very impressive last season towards the end of last year, as well as so far this preseason. Ralph Prizo is uh, he's an 18 year old and he plays like he's 28. Uh, very very patient on the ball, uh, unbelievable poise. Uh, really excited to see what that young man does, and I expect him to be a full time starter coming in the, the season. And that, that may be needed because, again, we talk about Michael Bradley. Age is certainly not on his side, especially on a team that might want to be running for 90 minutes a game. So that midfield is going to be interesting to shake out. And we know we talked about the DPs. Toronto is usually a team that fills DP slots. So you guys got one now. Michael Bradley might be another uh, spot opening up sometime in the near future. And I wouldn't be surprised if Io Akinola can take that next step forward to see Josie out uh, in sometime in the near future, obviously still playing at the top level, but you can't have money tied up in major league soccer and a player. It's not playing 30 games a season. So we can talk about that all, 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 all day long, but that's kind of one of the storylines for me with this roster. Is it like, is this the last dance for, for some of these guys? Yeah, definitely. And, and with those DP spots, yes. I mean, Bradley's on a TAM contract. uh, So you've got the two DP spots right now filled by Josie Altador. Uh, at the striker position, and then Alejandro Pozuelo. They have that open DP spot right now. A lot of chatter about a Rafael Santos Bora from, uh, I believe it was River Plate down in Argentina. Uh, that signing has not materialized. I believe it's going to be something in the summer uh, for that open DP spot. You're 100% right. You cannot have a designated player spot tied up with a guy who's not playing. I know uh, in the past I had talked about it when Josie Reese signed with Toronto. At that time, two years ago, the talk was, this is a TAM player now. Uh, this is a TAM signing. And it turns out they signed him to a four-year DP contract, one of the worst contracts I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I love Josie. I think he is a great player. Um, I am thankful for everything he's done for the club. He is a club legend, but it's time to move on. If there were no, stati- if there were no rules like the designated player rules and the salary caps and all that in MLS, sure, keep him on the roster. No big deal. Pay the money. It's yeah. not my money. It's MLS East. But – the fact that DP rules in place, he, 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 they need to move on from. Him. All right, heard it from the uh, the horse's mouth there. I've been saying that, so I just wanted to make sure that we're on the same page there. Now, let's look at this defense because you guys gave up only twenty six goals last season, which was very good, but still room to improve. As I have it, I have uh, Justin Morrow, Richie Larea out left, Chris Mavinga, Omar Gonzalez in the center, and Auro Junior out on the right side. How do you see the defense shaking down, and do you think they can improve on? the uh, output from last season. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the only thing I would change there is uh, Justin Morrow. He's getting up there in age as well. So I don't expect to see him being the starter there on the left. I actually, uh, Richie Larea and Auro both are natural right back position players, but they can both play on either side. So I expect to see Richie Larea playing on the left and, and that could change in, in any game at any point, at any time we saw it in the first leg of the CCL. Uh, you saw Auro started on the right and Richie Larea was on the left and they actually switched mid game to uh, Auro going on the left in the middle, Chris Mavinga, Omar Gonzalez. Those are two very solid center backs. 
Omar Gonzalez is getting a little bit up there in age, so I don't know how much he's going to do uh, going forward. But you've got guys like Zavaleta at the back. Um, but center back is an opportunity of need for Toronto FC. Uh, but right now with Mavinga, who I think uh, Chris Mavinga is one of the better center backs in MLS as far as his ball movement, as far as his passing ability, uh, as well as his speed and recovery rate is just unreal. I mean, some of the tackles he's made are just crazy. So I really like the defense there. I think it's a very strong point. But again, it is a little bit thin because uh, of that lack of depth, so to say, at the center back. Absolutely. And goalie Quinton Westberg has been pretty good for Toronto. Um, I guess he's played most of the games over the past two seasons. And in that time, uh, good enough for me. Um, what do you think about the goalie position? Quentin Westberg obviously has this locked in. Tell us a little bit about what he means to the team. Yeah, so Quentin Westberg is uh, he's a good goalie. Uh, he took over for Bono a couple of years ago. Uh, really have a really great one-two punch in Toronto with with Alex Bono as well. This is a guy who was getting USMNT caps, uh, only one one start, but uh, he was getting looked at by the USMNT uh, at the at around the same time when the switch all happened to Quentin Westberg. So having honestly, from a, a salary standpoint, I would like to see TFC move on from one or the other. Uh, most likely Bono because his salary is a little bit higher than than Westberg's. But Westberg has that starting spot locked down, and, and both are very capable goalkeepers that uh, definitely feel in good hands. In MLS, we all know you don't spend a ton of money on a goalkeeper. There's there's a dime a dozen with those MLS vets out there that'll do the job for you, and uh, that's kind of the, the status with Westberg and Bono. Westberg entering his age 34 season, so he's getting up there too, but he lowered his uh, goals against per, uh, per 90 from 1.47 to 1.3 during last year, so... Definitely uh, has some soccer left to play in him. And as long as he does, looks like he'll have a job in Toronto. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk a little bit about some up-and-comers or players to watch. Um, was there any of them that we've missed so far? Anyone that we should know about? Yeah, so the, the two to really watch this season are Ralph Prizo that I mentioned earlier in the midfield, uh, as well as Jaden Nelson. Uh, I'll make it three. Jaquiel Marshall-Ruddy as well. So there's a young man, Jaquiel Marshall-Ruddy, signed with TFC from the academy at age 15. Uh, this guy is getting attention from all of the big clubs in Europe, not just Manchester City, not just Manchester United, not just Juventus, all of them, Barcelona, PSG, they're all interested in this guy. He has unbelievable talent. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen it yet. We, uh, I've watched a little bit of it through the Academy games and seen him in the uh, Generation Adidas Cup, et cetera, et cetera, and the talent is there. He's unbelievable. Uh, he should get minutes this year, especially under Chris Armas, who does value that youth and needs that youth for the speed and uh, and the high-press game. So I expect to see all of these young guys get a lot of time, and there's they are definitely breakout youngsters, all three of them. Jaden Nelson has had sco has scored some amazing goals playing on the wing for the academy side as well as TFC2. Uh, and then Ralph Prizo, the man, is just unbelievably poised in the back. He reminds me a lot of a Michael Bradley from about six to seven years ago when he was at Roma. Uh, just unbelievably in control of the game. Uh, just lets players run at him. He'll just go right around him. No problem. Unbelievable talent for that young man. So a lot of youngsters to watch on this TFC squad. And we can't wait. And it starts in the next week. That's that's exciting. MLS is going to be back. We're going to be making our uh, Major League Soccer uh, picks for our fantasy teams. And we'll, we're going to be giving out sportsbook picks, all that great stuff. But Mike, so far, you seem like you've been kind of a realist with us, but I want you to play the optimist card for a second. What is the ceiling for Toronto FC and what needs to happen 
for Toronto to reach that ceiling. All right. So uh, for the ceiling, I would say uh, in the top half of the East, uh, go with the third seed. I believe that uh, they're not quite at the uh, at the top of the summit right now with the roster that they have, but I believe they will be competitive with that top half. So uh, in order for that to happen, the youngsters have to get minutes and, and we have to stay healthy. Uh, and that is something that has not been a easy thing for Toronto FC to do in the last few years. And uh, that, that's pretty much all that it comes down to. If this team stays healthy, this team will reach that, that ceiling. Uh, but if they do not stay healthy, I can see it, the, the team falling uh, for sure. If that's your optimist hat, I don't really want to know what the pessimist side is going to bring. But uh, uh, before we go, I just want to say one more time, uh, Mike, thank you again so much for joining us. Let's know one more time where we can find you and where we can find your stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Sons of a Pitch. An American soccer podcast. We do everything MLS, CONCACAF. Uh, we're the whole league, not just Toronto FC. Uh, and then as well on Twitter at SOP Soccer. And of course, we are a podcast every week. We do do one episode and you can find us on all the major platforms that you see down below on uh, on the screen there. And thanks again for having me. And of course, thank you for joining us. And at home, thank you for watching ID Sports. 